0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Life Science Rush Hour with Matt Corcoran. I hope everyone's having a great Tuesday. Today, I'm going to talk about really two things here, but but the focus will be on the first. Um, Yesterday, it was reported that AbbVie and a couple of other drug makers had reached a tentative agreement or settlement um, regarding synthetic testosterone. Um, I believe their product is Androgel or something along that, those lines. Um, I don't know the particulars of the settlement, um, but with 25,000 cases pending or you know ready to go to trial, I imagine it's it's a pretty substantial um, amount. Um, five cases had already gone to trial, kind of considered the bellwether cases to see hey how's this going to play out. Three of those were um, uh, decided in favor of Avi. Two um, actually were, the other two actually were, um, AbbVie was was considered not liable for the health conditions of the claimants. Nonetheless, they were still, um, a verdict was still rendered against them for basically misleading consumers and doctors. The initial payments or settlements or um, verdict was $140 million and $150 million, respectively. They, of course, appealed this. It was cut down to, one of them was cut down to, I know, $3.2 million. They're again appealing that. Um, So, as you can see, things were kind of going in that favor and the other drug makers who, you know, it's all kind of the same product, just different names, um, you know, synthetic hormones, um, synthetic testosterone, um, all kind of play in the same field. So yeah, they were winning cases, but with 25,000 ahead of you, obviously that's going to be a huge, huge legal burden if you were to go to fight all of those. So, you know, I think they probably did a prudent thing from an economic standpoint and said, Hey, you know, we have some leverage here. Let's see what we can settle out and let's try to end this chapter um, and move on. So what can we learn from this? Well, there's a couple things, and and you're going to have to reach out to your broker if you're a small pharma or small biotech or just have a, a recently approved product. Um, the first thing is batch coverage. Batch coverage is pretty confusing to a lot of people, um, and a lot of times we don't see it structured correctly um, within a within a policy or a a policy program. I say because it's so important that, that wording and terms and conditions align throughout your insurance tower. So you may have $25 million of product liability insurance, but you're gonna a lot of times have multiple carriers on that. So your first 5 million might be AIG, your next 10 million might be Chubb, and then your next 10 million might be Liberty Mutual, You know, just kind of household names I'm throwing out there. Um, if their terms and conditions, especially when it comes to batch coverage aren't aligned, you 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 could have some huge coverage gaps, and what batch coverage is is essentially they we're going to batch or put together claims that really emanate from the same um, from the same hazard or event. So if we see a bunch of testosterone claims, they're all kind of alleging the same thing. So we're going to group those together. The things you have to be aware of is a you could have an exhaustion of limits. Um, Depending on how they say these claims, you know when does when does the batch start? Um, you may not allow it it may not allow to go over multiple policy periods. Um, you may be allowed to go over multiple policy periods. It all depends. you know you may have you you, you should have only one deductible or retention, but if it goes over multiple pol- policy periods, you could have multiple retentions. So there's a lot of things to look at. I can't really get into the particulars because I'd have to look at a policy. But the big thing is it can be a huge impact on your bottom line. Think of, you know, when we think, kind of think of healthcare costs. It could be a lot of out-of-pocket expenses that you didn't foresee coming. So what I always recommend is ask your broker, say, hey, what is the batch language in my policy? And explain to me, In English, so I understand what it is, what would happen over a multi-year product litigation um, with, you know, 10,000 claimants. Because that's really how you're going to get to the bottom of it and have a good grasp on what you're doing. The other thing to be cognizant of is punitive damages. Most or a lot of states don't allow an insurance company to pay punitive damages. They say, "Hey, this is kind of a penalty, and it's it, it leads to hazards that insurance isn't intended to to cover." There are ways around this, though. You could a get most favored venue endorsement, and what basically that is is it will look at the venues that you're in, the claimants are in, the insurance carriers are in, say, "Hey, what's the best one for the for the insured?" What's the most favorable? You know, can any of these venues pay punitive damages? If they can, then your insurance, then your insurance company should be able to pay um, the, punitive, the, the punitive damages. Of course, up to the policy limit. As we all know, those punitive damages can get pretty high. So um, it, could be, it could be a, a, a limits exposure, uh, meaning, hey, you're exhausting everything. Um, the other way to do it is through what's called a puny wrap. Essentially, that is it's an insurance, it's an additional insurance pe- pe- uh, policy. It sits alongside your product's liability. It's insured by a non-U.S. carrier, typically, and it essentially pays punitive damages to you. Um, it's a non-licensed U.S. insurer, is the best way to think about it, that doesn't have to abide by the state laws, um, which is why it can pay punitive damages. There's, of course, a cost act, It's a separate policy but it can be a viable solution if you can't get most favorable venue or you wanna make sure you have that protection. Um, the last thing we, that, that, that that is called my attention on this case is for all policyholders. Now, because of litigation such as this, pretty, pretty much all hormone, testosterone, they're all automatically excluded on policies. It's just, hey, here's our base policy. Those things are going to be excluded. So it's something you always got to be aware of. And there's a whole other list or a whole list of drugs in addition to those things that are automatically excluded. So you always ask your, your carrier, say, hey, what, what is excluded? Because you never know where you're going to go and where your company is going to go. You may make an acquisition or, or you know, there could be a lot of different ways. Or you could somehow get tied in these cases and you want to make sure there's coverage. Uh, from the get go so just a kind of a heads up in an f y i and the second thing you know briefly, I just want to touch on I touch on this I think a lot is business income um, with the kind of an impending hurricane. hopefully it on the east coast hopefully it takes a you know a sharp right turn and goes north northeast doesn't look like that's going to happen. But a couple of things where you may find coverage if you're unfortunately hit or a supplier or someone in your supply chain or a customer. Um, obviously, those are all if you're hit, it's business income, regular property damage. Um, if a supplier or um, customer, key customer hit, that's contingent business income. So things to be aware of um, in the event, you know, you, there, there, there is an interruption in your business. The other place and that's often overlooked is what's called civil authority, um, where when, with these hurricanes, we always find claims under this. Essentially, that is if, let's say, a, br- a road is closed due to flooding um, and it's impassable or basically the government shuts something down because of a, a loss. So you're on a barrier island. You can't get across because the bridge is deemed unsafe because of wind damage, and that's where your key manufacturer is. That's civil authority. And that can be covered under business income as well. The, the real caveats are it can be um, limited by miles, you know, distance from your location or your supplier's location. And then there's a, a, a pretty firm time frame 30 days, 60 days, um, maybe 90 days. So just something to be aware of if you're, you know, God forbid someone in your supply chain or you suffer a loss, just be aware of that. Hopefully none of it actually comes to fruition, but, you know, just to kind of a heads up. So that's all I got for today. I appreciate you listening. If you ever have any questions, comments, feel free to reach out. You can get me on email, matt, M-A-T-T, at mattcork, dot com um, you can get me on my website, mattcork.com, I'm on Twitter, mxc390, um, Facebook uh, as well. Just search Matt Corcoran. you'll see me. Um, love to hear from you, and you know, be safe out there. Take care.